This is episode number 326 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Tom Wolf. Welcome back to another edition of the Inner Fight Podcast, brought to you by Smith Street Paleo. I'm up to iTunes, brand new the podcast, and we will send you a bag of Smith Street Paleo goodies. No matter where you are in the world, thanks for tuning in. Let's jump right into today's show. Welcome back to the show. Another week, another guest, and another man with an incredible story, Mr. Tom Wolf. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, very good. It's so good to be here. <laughs> Mate, you're probably one of the busiest men I know. We were just talking before we came on air. You're here for four days. You fly overnight in. You fly overnight out. So you're only here. You're doing a lot of different things. But one of the things that you have done for a long time is, I would say, pioneer the Nike Run Club here in Dubai, and you have a big involvement with Nike. Take us back to how that started, mate, and what really is Nike Run Club? Uh, It's it's actually, your your timing is bang on. I've just come from from the team there, and we were talking about, you know, how did this get started? And, um, you know, I've been incredibly privileged to be part of a journey. Nike as as a sports brand started with, you know, a simple mission is to get kind of people moving and help, you know, athletes perform better. But it's, that it's so easy to try and focus on the elite story yeah. and realize that actually the brand is built off the grassroots. It's right. built of everyday people, not like you, Marcus, actually, who, who's a, a phenomenal <laughs> I'm an, I'm athlete. An everyday bloke. Yeah, yeah, you're an everyday bloke who enjoys a, a beer and a run every now and then. But what I mean, it's about first principles. It's about like how do you get more people um, to realize that running isn't a solo sport, that right. just going out and trudging, there's so much more to it yeah. than just walking out the front door, putting a pair of, uh, of, of wheels on and just moving. Um, and that is the first thing, but actually you can be part of something more. And I think the, the magic as, as part of the Nike Run Club community is that you go there and you feel like you have after you just come off a game of sevens or wow. you know, playing a bit of basketball on two on two is that you really feel like the only way you got through that is yeah. because of the other people yeah, around you. The people around you. I mean, mate, the Nike story on running goes back a very long time and it's sort of based around the top runners. Prefontaine was obviously one of the one of the sort of I don't know. He was at the heart of the start of the Nike running movement. Yeah. How important is all of that, do you think, to the Nike brand of running? Well, I think, listen, we all, we all crave and search for authenticity. Yeah. Right? And I think that's it. And, and um, some people manufacture it, and, so, and for some it just comes naturally. Yeah. And you see that. We see that in our relationships at home. Uh, and... You know, and businesses crave authenticity. I mean, people talk about organic growth, and yeah. you've built your business, and it starts yeah. it starts with one other person. Yeah, um, and you know, it's something that we crave in our business, and it's not about this big macro story of of millions of people, and 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 often we get too focused um, on you know, what's the latest sales report from nike and how many billions of dollars have they made yeah and actually you know, it'd be far better if the stock markets you know reported yeah you know, how many kilometers have been running nike trainers this week <laughs> and uh, and how many people have have got out of have changed their lives because they've yeah. been part of something else yeah, yeah. and we don't we report on all the wrong things in yeah, business right yeah. the profits of the company are not its true value right but back in the day all they cared about was how fast those guys ran so do you think that's the the authenticity was there at the start and because of the way society's gone and stock markets have gone we've started to lose a bit of that yeah, i think that there's always a danger that you in any business that you focus on um on the bottom line and profitability rather yeah. than perhaps the top line in terms of more people being involved and more people getting involved 
what I think is really powerful is that it, you're right. It started with how can I knock a few seconds off yeah. the PB for the very best, yeah. and then you take that mindset and say, well, I'm, maybe I'm not looking at knocking uh, your know, seconds off your PB, but maybe. I can help you just record something right? and start. Okay, so there is a baseline and it doesn't matter. And if you need to go and walk 500 meters, yeah. that's your starting point. Right. And where what's been my driving force is that it's not about how many people um, necessarily go out there in this, this part of the world and record their PB week no. in, week out. For me, what's been really exciting is that you know, we have thousands of people each week that either come to the physical run club sessions yeah. or they engage digitally with us via the app yeah. and and then week on week you can just see these tiny little one percenters yeah. these tiny incremental moves in fact we spend most of our time telling people to run less right. because most people get into <laughs> running and then they're like I'm just going to run every day and I'm yeah. going to do the same loop yeah. and I'm not going to yeah. warm up yeah. and I'm not going to warm down and I'm going to collapse on the floor <laughs> and then I'm going to go and have a you know, shower and, and actually you get faster and you get stronger and you get better at life yeah. by doing all those things around running. And yeah. what we've seen is like, so many people have spun off from run clubs and they have their own... You know, for me, the biggest, most empowering thing for me in this region has been my absolute admiration, respect um, for the Filipino Mafia. <laughs> I, I've just... They, they, they embrace Nike Run Club. Yeah. They, they, they own it. They, they are the beating heart of the sporting community wow. doesn't cost them anything to turn up here yeah, and yeah. yet they, they get involved and then they get their own little spin-off groups and then they get involved in their biking and yeah. their triathlon and they come week after week in the hunger and then they bring their mates down yeah. and, and that for me is the, is the real community and what we found is that a lot of people here try and sell to people here rather yeah. than inspiring them to be part of something yeah. is, that, is that where Nike Run Club sort of started though? It, and, I mean we do know that Nike doesn't do things for free, although Run Club is for free. But what they're trying to create was a was a community. When did it start, mate? And and and, and what was it like at the start? Because you were you were in the, involved in it right from day one. Yeah. So talk us through a little bit of that. I, we um, it, ultimately Nike Run Club have been going globally for a fox since since the business was built. Right. Um, and we were very fortunate that. Um, yeah, the first run club started with an invitation for one person to just go running with someone else. Really? And that's how I think. And, and I guess I was very fortunate that I got that invitation from one of the guys at Nike and says, listen, we're, we're interested in this idea. Yeah. Take me running when I'm in town. Wow. And let, just let, let's go and explore. And we started with Safford Park like all of us did, right, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, And I just said, listen, there's just something here that we need to, we need to be building. And, and the guys went away. And then they came back and said, listen, if we're going to do this, we need to do it properly. Like, yeah. And so there's a lot of things that the brand does. It doesn't, it's not in every country in the world because it really wants to put significant resource around helping people make their first step. Right. Um, and that, that's not just about people time from running. The, the guys are great. There's water, there's provision, there's first aid support. There's, wow. there's all sorts of stuff. They don't, it's, and because if you're going to do it, you do it right. And a, a brand like Nike does it right. But it did start with literally... I was invited by one person from Nike, <laughs> and then I invited like three or four other people wow. and said, listen, come and run with me. How long ago was this? So 2010. 2010. Back in 2010. So seven years yeah, ago. Seven, seven years ago. Wow. Um, the, 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 the dense heat of the summer. Yeah. And four of us ran at Suffer Park. <laughs> right? And, and, and it just step by step, it, and the message got out there. So um, one thing that I, I've been so inspired by is that there's never, there's never been a question of commerciality in terms of anything i've done so right. none of our none of our metrics are based on on shoe sales right none of our metrics right. are based on how many people are wearing the latest product yeah 
uh, and all the way back to that, that first movement about helping someone run better, that um, you know, Phil Knight and those guys would load up the back of their car yeah. and they'd go to race meets and they'd say to people, listen, you had to buy my shoes, but try them and see what you like. Just try them, yeah. And yeah. see if, if they make you go faster, yeah. awesome. Have a yeah. pair. And yeah. if they don't, no problem at all. Yeah. yeah that old car boot sale simple yeah. mentality that we all we all kind of live and die by. I certainly know I didn't <laughs> growing up with my parents going to car boot sales because yeah. buying stuff in these expensive shops wasn't an option. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, and it's that same mindset that kind of still pervades. Um, so it started literally with an invitation for one person to go running with someone else. Um, and... I'm, I'm, I'm less interested in, listen, it touches thousands of people every week, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and you see for the kind of, we run Dubai in downtown, yeah. you know, almost 20,000 runners, which, wow. is, which is super powerful. But it's still so relevant when you get that first person who comes down for their first running session. Yeah. And, and then they're like, this isn't for me. I don't fit in. Everyone else knows each other. And then yeah. what you do, if you, a good coach or a good pacer or someone from the community will say, new boy, new girl. And rather right. than that person feeling like you celebrate the new person, yeah. and so that's immediately they're welcomed into the family and they don't feel out of place, and you realize that you know, it, it doesn't matter if you, you know, have to stop. It doesn't matter if you're not here to run the, your fastest PB. Yeah. It matters that you put one foot in front of another and you give it a go. Yeah. And it's that, for a lot of people, is, is counterindicative to what they're used to yeah which is yeah. water gym and you're massively intimidated yeah, and you have to win and you have yeah, to and, yeah, and, yeah 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 and you know yourself right you, it, it the, the it's so much easier to take somebody who runs a, a one hour 20 10k yeah and take 20 30 40 50 percent off their time yeah absolutely take an elite athlete who runs a sub 30 yeah. and try and get them <laughs> to run take 20 percent off their time yeah. it is nigh on impossible right yeah, so right. actually our, our role is really easy right yeah, we yeah. get to work with amazing people that yeah. um just want to get better at doing the simple things in life they want to have they want to be stronger at work they want to probably you know, feel a bit better, look a bit better in the yeah, mirror. They yeah. want to get a promotion. They want to save a bit of money to send home to their families. Yeah. And actually, yeah. it all ties in with the same principles. Yeah. Right? What, so what, to that end, what are the type of people that started, you started with three or four of you, what are the type of people that started coming to Nike Run Club and what, what does it have today? Is it still just the enthusiast or do you have elite runners what's it really all about and do you control that as well mate do you say oh you're a bit too good stay away from us or how does that all work um listen i think that the community curates itself i don't i don't believe that we have an active role in managing right, that right but what i would say is that there's a natural evolution to everything in life yeah. so what happens is you take your first steps with a nike run club because, because you feel that you can be part of something bigger yeah but it may be that when you get to the point whereby you're now doing your first ultra marathon, your first, you're doing MDS, right? Yeah. Doing a 5K fun run on a Friday morning is going to be an inefficient use of your time. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah, so yeah. you actually need to triage and think, okay, what's the best use of my time? Yeah. However, when there's a track speed session going on, you might think, you know what? I've not been on the track in ages and I just want to go have a blast. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with my endurance training. It has nothing to do with my triathlon. Yeah. But, but people start. You start with first steps, your first 500 meters. Then you do your first K. Yeah. Then you do your first 5K. And there is a beautiful evolution to that. Yeah. And so people tend to kind of, it's like a pyramid. You go kind of up and out. Yeah. But the great thing is that you always know that you've got a chance to come back and get back in. So often you'll have people that go up and out. 
Yeah. Then they pick up a bit of an injury and they come back mm. to do a bit of the rehab. They come back to do right. a bit of the cross training. They'll go and join one of the Nike training club sessions, which means they can actually do some bit of plyometric work oh, or a bit cool. of cross yeah. training or a Nike yoga session. And so they, th- there, is, there is something for everybody, but we're not all things to all people. Right. If, 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 yeah, if that nuance is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think the key thing is, is what kind of attitude you bring. Yeah. Mate, you bring quite a fun attitude towards it and obviously you're super positive generally in sport we see a lot of people that get incredibly serious incredibly fast do you have you seen that through your experiences in 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 nike and to be honest you said it before like people have desk jobs people have where is this sort of needle moving to on the sort of fun to way too serious and unnecessary where where are we seeing that needle move to Listen, you know me well enough by now to know that I have a kind of don't be a dick policy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, anybody who saps the en- energy out of a room, yeah. I've got no time for. So yeah. if, if you turn up and you want to be, um, if it's all about you, you're probably not that welcome yeah. uh, on my team. Right. Right. So if you come and say, listen, I've got, you know, two eyes two ears and one mouth and I use them in that order yeah. <laughs> then, then, then you'll have all of my time and all of my support and all of the coaches support but if, if, if you want to come down and you want to you want to put down on other people you want to come and, and show off and be that I don't mind a bit of swagger yeah. I'm all over the swagger <laughs> and, and I like people pushing themselves and it's quite nice to see someone but I, I guess what's different is that when we get really talented athletes and we've got some of our paces that will, that will consistently do you know 3.30 split times on a 10K. So, that, so there's some fairly fast guys. I thought you said 10K. Yeah. You mean 5K. Sorry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's some, there's some fast guys there. But if someone comes along and they're complaining because they're not going fast enough and they're clearly... Yeah. And it, then, 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 then push Just on and push yourself on. Yeah. But if you then come back and then you have a go at the other guys because they're not fast enough, or you, and you, see it, you see it all the time. You'll get yeah. people who just have a little bit of bite a little bit of negativity in there it's probably so you always look at what what the big picture is or sometimes you get somebody um, and listen I'm getting on in my years these days but um, you'll get someone who who likes to put out a bit and occasionally I'll just lace up and and have a crack and see how we get on Um, and see see, see who's last man standing or last woman standing and it's always quite fun because a lot of people who who haven't been challenged and see, see in proper circumstances. Yes. And you'll see it in the gym and you'll see someone, they'll come and yeah. load up a whole lot of extra plates or yeah. they'll be eyeing you out the corner of their eye thinking, not lifting it up. And they've got, and it's a bit like life. Like, you have no idea what I did to get in this room. It's yeah. healthy. Healthy competition. Yeah. And healthy competition is great. But, but just remember, like, when someone sees you in here and you're doing your third or fourth session of the day. Yeah. Right? You were up since 4 a.m. training. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's all yeah. about, let, let, <laughs> yeah. let's, I try and just keep it a bit of big picture. Yeah. And you've made a great point that, Someone you might find a a PT in Dubai who comes down to a run club session and, he, and their complaint is a little bit too slow. Whilst there's a next to a young Filipino girl who's just finished a kind of 16 hour shift working in a hospital as a nurse. Yeah, right. And they're like, oh, everyone's a bit slow here. Yeah. And you think to yourself, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, that Go person's away. come on the metro from the other end of town yeah. because they love being part of this yeah, community. Yeah. I would rather invest all my time yeah. in, in that young nurse yeah. than I would help another elite runner feel their ego and take a few pictures on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, let's jump a little bit to the elite side of things. Yep. We've seen something quite phenomenal unfold just a couple of weeks ago. In, in, in the breaking two, from a Nike perspective, 
I want to jump into before I want to go into the brand side first before we go into the geeky and the mind blowing <laughs> speed that these guys run at. But what's this breaking to all about from a brand perspective? Listen, I I I will never never claim to speak for the brand as a yeah. whole, right? The, the Nike brand isn't about one person; it's about it's about a collective. What I would say is that it's it's a clear demonstration to me, being part of the family, that there there isn't that kind of finish line. There isn't that that there is always there was always something bigger than ourselves. Um, and you remember that the record was not going to be beaten by one man or woman it was a collective effort yeah. so if you looked at that look at those paces look at the amount they worked to, to, to get someone in and you know from your biking days yeah. how does team cycling work yeah, yeah, right? and, and if you look at team running now it's just as advanced and, and there are some great minds in both sports at work on how can we put the very best in a position whereby they can break previous human boundaries and, um, uh, and I am I'm by no means an elite runner, but it, yeah. I wake up in the morning when events like that are on and I get excited, right? Yeah. The same way I used to get excited when I'd run myself or bite myself yeah. or play rugby, right? And so it is, you, you know it's game day. Yeah. And there was something, what I found really inspiring was that so many people, whether they were you know, in Italy for the morning or they were around the world, woke up that morning yeah. like it was game day. Yeah. And, yeah. and that for me is like, that's damn sexy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And... So I think that's where it's powerful. It's about pushing boundaries, but it's about bringing as many people along and realizing that actually it, it wasn't about one person crossing the line. It was about a team of 20, 30 people yeah, getting yeah, them there. Incredible. Yeah. I, think that's, uh, I think that's the main thing. And I, I think Nike do an incredible job of creating that sort of anticipation as well. Like the days leading up to it, the videos, that, the content that they put out is just, it's absolutely huge. And, and, and it really, it does create a, a great feeling and excitement for the event. Yeah, listen, they're, they're a global business that has the, the, the power to be able to put the best and brightest creatives to work. Yeah. And yeah. listen, you could put out um, a, a tender for you know, people to get involved in these projects and you'd have hundreds of thousands of people that want to be a part of something. And that, that, that is the clear indication of, of a brand that's bigger than just selling products. Yeah. Is yeah. that people, people will you know, push themselves beyond the, the, no one was there breaking two because they were being paid to be there. Right. Right. No one was there because they, um, uh, were incentivized to be there. It wasn't about having a million dollar purse or anything like that. People were there because they were inspired and motivated to change the way people view running and yeah. view the limits of human capacity. Yeah. That's what got me excited that day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, I, I, I saw some quite, negative sort of press saying you know nike had paid these guys to not run in london and to not run in this marathon and that marathon and whilst i understand that that's a commercial decision for those guys and they would have got paid to to to, to run in london so i do think they should have been paid i also think people want to be part of a bigger picture and i think i think that's what's quite quite special i think you know roger bannister i mean this is I think it's as big as the four-minute mile, really. Without a doubt. It's, you know, and that was all those years ago. And he, you know, he made sacrifices, but it was only about, it was generally about defining that line of human performance, wasn't it? That, that's all it was. Well, listen, you know yourself from playing team sports as well that, you know, sometimes you, you have to look at the seasonality of the way you train. Yes. And you, from whether it's training for the CrossFit Games or training for the Dubai World Cup 7s or whatever it might have been, 
you have to look at the seasonality and work probably if you're if you're an elite runner you're looking at olympic cycles you're looking at world championship cycles and you're looking at the fact that for a lot of these guys um yeah being able to afford food yes to, to terrain because uh, yeah they're not able to have part-time jobs yeah they're not able to have a part-time hustle yeah um and so but you take that aside right um you look at the, the pure practicality is when do you peak for yeah and and how do you peak and how do you train as a team um and we've got to look at we look at team sports the very best the cycling guys the rowers yeah okay they, they, they peak for lucerne and yeah. the world championship rowing yeah, yeah. and they peak for olympics yeah. and nothing else matters in yeah. between yeah. yeah yeah despite that they they have other commercial opportunities of course they only care about those events yeah, of course they do they could yeah. go out and start selling concept twos and speaking after the circuits but they know they need to be <laughs> on the water yeah. okay at 3 4 a.m in partney right yeah and so you've got to decide what's going to make the boat go faster right and actually you sacrifice enormous amounts you, you, you life is about sacrifices yeah, right yeah and uh and for me any armchair critic um who criticizes these guys for this or that just yeah walk a day or two in their shoes look yeah. where these guys have come from by yeah. and large yeah. okay um most of them haven't spent much time walking in shoes for the first 12 13 yeah. years of their lives yeah. right yeah. so for me i would um i'm i just get excited um by the prospect of them having a crack at it let yeah. alone so for me the numbers that the, the naysayers, it doesn't matter. It's not even about which brand they're working yeah. with. It's about these guys going out there and working as a team, 20, 30 people behind the scenes and yeah. saying, because there's the coaches, there's the physios, there's conditioners. Yeah. It's not just the guys out on the track either who've been working for 24 months to make this happen. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Let's jump into some of the geeky stuff, mate. You've mentioned that there was a team of over 20. How does it work? How does the pacing work? And if you don't have the figures for the speed, I definitely have them. Let's drop those in as well. Talk us through that. I, I think um, what what's so important is that you've got you've got teams within teams as well, right? So that you've got guys who've trained from cultural lines growing up in Ethiopia and Kenya and Sudan, um, and where they've come through that as they start to mature through their teen years, starts to give them a chance to blend in with the the global elite. Right. running movement so whether right. that's in in the united states or in europe um and a lot of the guys obviously see that there is a a pathway to a new future and a better life right. by honing their, their athletic ability yep. um and so i think it starts for most of these guys it will start when they're eight nine or ten right um, wow it's unfortunate i mean we, we we in western kind of society very much focused on um kind of a polymath approach to sports to getting children involved in all sorts of sports because yeah. they become better athletes longer term and yeah. better rounded people yeah. um i think what you'll find is it becomes very mono sport very early yeah. for a lot of these guys and yeah. they focus on running and, and it's, it's tough it's like a you know the the russian gymnasts and yeah. and yeah. this kind of thing you become very singularly focused yeah. um and they start on a pathway and it's either perform or, or off the pathway right um and so that that's a that's a third party view on on the way I see you know, how they get to these positions. Yeah. Um, and as I said, there's teams within teams. So you've got um, the national sporting teams. What you don't have in running quite the same is you don't have the professional cycling team type set up. You don't right. have the professional soccer team set up that you right. would have normally. So right. a lot of the guys are self-organized. Wow. Um, wow. And a lot of part of bigger teams with brands or businesses. But generally speaking, the guys are self-organized. Wow. Um, and... And then they will be part of their national sporting pathway. Right. So there'll be an elite development pathway for each yeah. each sport in each country. 
and most of these guys will sit in that. Um, so that kind of brings you down to how do they get there and, and, and that pathway, but it is very much a, a single monosport focus. Right. Really um, put things in perspective when you see athletes here and everyone wants to get, or athletes today, everyone wants to get all these sponsorships and get caught up in this. They need to be super elite athletes by having great sponsors and all the right things, and these guys just have nothing mm. and still make it work. Well, I think that's a, that's a very just excited diversion, but yeah, it, 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 if I had you know tuppence for every ambassador that I'd met, yeah, a, a, of, a, of a brand <laughs> or a business <laughs> or everything else, then I'd be an incredibly wealthy man. Yeah, and yet for me, that the greatest ambassadors for brands are people that just get out there and get it done. Yeah, and and that that for me is far more inspiring than someone who shares a picture of their shake or or their t-shirt. Yeah, um, and so I think that the real true authenticity is okay. Um, where do people get to? And it's about saying, this is what the elites do, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get one second off my yeah. off yeah. my you know, 5K time. Yeah. I'm going to get 10 yeah. seconds off my 5K time. Yeah. And then, then you realize how close 25 seconds was yeah. Yeah. to breaking the world record. Yeah. Um, and realize that these guys... Um, but it was... They, so many people talk about how they failed at this attempt. There was no failure in my mind. Right. You know, all it was was... Okay, now we now we know we're close. Yeah. Now now we know we're closer than we've ever been before. Did you think that they would break too, mate? When you woke up on that morning with that excitement and that anticipation, did you think it was going to happen? Yeah, without a doubt. Really? Yeah, without a doubt. Why didn't it happen? Uh, listen, I, I, you, you you and I can't ever run in anyone's shoes. You, you, yeah. You know, yeah, it's a great. Um, What's the movie uh, Any Given Sunday where yeah, Al Pacino yeah. talks about yeah. you know, half a second too early or too late yeah. you know, and, and, and you, you've lost the game, yeah. right? So it, it could have come down to you know, half a second at one moment yeah. that, that, that compounded to be 25 seconds over the course of 42K. Yeah. So if you think about it, if, and half a second on each kilometer of yeah. just a concentration. Like I'm talking you blink yeah. over 42K once that's each it. kilometer yeah. and that's your 25 seconds. Right. And it comes down to as much as that. And I've had this conversation <laughs> with so many people. And they look at me and go, well, what? he was only 25 seconds off. Yeah. And I say, but realize that 25 seconds over 42K yeah. is a blink yeah. a kilometer. Yeah. It's a head shake. Yeah. <laughs> it's a check where your pacer is, which yeah. comes back to, you know, the next time they'll know each other better. Yeah. Right. You're, you, that peripheral vision, you know, when you train with people time after time, you don't have to think about which way they'll go. They move inside. They'd like yeah. to drift outside. They, they're, they're not so good on the uphills. They're yeah. better on the downhills. You yeah. know all that stuff. So the next time these guys come back and have a crack, yeah. I'll be even more excited. <laughs> right? But, but I'll be like, don't blink. Don't look sideways. <laughs> the whole time I'm catch, you're counting the half a second. Tom's five points to yeah. success on this <laughs> Exactly. Run. Don't blink. But I mean, mate, what they did even in like what they achieved and the pace that they ran at, 17 seconds 100 basically yeah. is just like and i'd hate and to see what i was like at 100 on the track right now it's just <laughs> you know not, I mean? not like, too far off just go outside yeah. measure out 100 meters yeah. and run it in 17 yeah. seconds completely so the the level of human skill and the potential that we've got has that needle just moved i don't think it's just moved but i think what 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 we're constantly doing um is you're, 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 you're testing yourself, you're pushing yourself. You just, sometimes you just don't realize it. I think there's so many examples in sports, um, but the easiest one to look at is maybe the first time you ever went on a set of skis or a snowboard. Yeah. And you, you thought you're going over the first time, and then the second time you kind of 
you, you managed to stay up and you don't quite yeah. believe how you managed yeah, to stay why? up. There's a little bit of that about it. And since right. people don't, they know they've pushed themselves hard. They know they've left nothing behind and they've never got close to sub two. Yeah. And now suddenly you, you just push yourself that bit further. You, you do your, and you know, when you're training, you do, if you're doing a 10 and you want to try and do, you know, your first 5K at, you know, 5K pace and your second 5K at 10K pace. And next time you do it, you try and do your first 6K at 5K pace. Yeah. And suddenly you try and nudge that pace down or, yeah. or you try and work on your splits. Yeah. And unless you have a crack, you don't quite realize what you're capable of achieving. Yeah. And you really need to set the stage. You know, that atmosphere in the stadium there, the people will lift those guys. Yeah. An extra half a second. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. next time they do it, yeah, they'll fill us an entire stadium. Right. Right? There won't be 400 people trackside. Yeah. There'll be 4,000 people trackside. Yeah. On Olympic Day, there's 40,000 people trackside. Yeah, right. I can see exactly the same happening for the next time. Really? Because the crowd carries you. I've, yeah. You were a big game player, right? Yeah. No one wants to turn out when no one's, no one's really watching exactly. yeah. on a cold, blustery morning. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. you walk into a stadium and 40,000 people are there and there's TV cameras and everything, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. You walk half an inch taller. Yeah, you absolutely. have a spring in your stick and you yeah. think to yourself, it doesn't matter how, how <laughs> much I've had the crap kicked out of me today. I, there's no way I'm laying on the floor anymore. Yeah, there's absolutely. no way I'm not getting back up. Yeah. When it, have they set a date for to, to redo it, mate? No, I think. Listen, um, the guys will go back in. They would have peaked for the date, yeah, and therefore they need to look at their training cycles once again. They need to look at what else is coming up. Yeah, world yeah. championships. Yeah, uh, you know, another Olympic cycle. Yeah, yeah we're we're back in the mix again yeah. already. Yeah, um, and so those guys will need to look at that. They'll need to look at spending, getting a bit of downtime, time with their families, yeah. recharging, and then having another crack. Um, so, yeah. God, it's not for me to suggest that any kind of date or to yeah. try and hazard a guess. Yeah. What I do know is that they'll be closer next time. Yeah. And whether whether the pin falls next time. Yeah. Or it's the time after, or it's ten times. It's going to be quite a journey watching them have, have a go. Be. Do you think that obviously when when you believe they can do it, and a lot of people believe they can do it, when Bannister broke the four minute mile, everyone said you can't do it, mm. and when he broke it, hundreds or a lot since, I don't know exactly how many, but a lot of people have, have, have run since. What will happen when someone runs 42.2 kilometers a marathon under two hours? What will then start to happen? Do you think we'll see the same thing that we saw with the four-minute mile? Will, you know, will people just rock up in... I mean, Dubai Marathon's going to be here in 50 years. So the, 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 the 2070, call it, mm. Dubai Marathon, will it be a sub-two-hour marathon? What's, what's your thoughts, mate? Do you, do you ever think that long and, like, what will happen? Um, well, I think what this will be far more importantly is, uh, of course, more people will cross that threshold. Yeah. But it's a bit like Everest, right? You know, over time, and then suddenly it'll become a little bit more uh, expected that people get to the top of Everest. But, yeah, yeah so Edmund Hillary was the first, and that stayed for a long time. Yeah. And then after that, and then you get a few more people, um, and then now you get commercial tours and people helicopter like up and all sorts. Shakeside Road. Shakeside Road, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but um, but what's, what's more magical is more people will now go out and run their first five-hour marathon. Right. And more people will now go and run their first four. Yeah. And then more people will work harder on running their first sub-three. Right. Because they'll be like, I was 3.15, I was 3.20. Yeah. There's no way. If he can do sub two, I can, I can get that. sub three. Really? But for the other person, if, 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 if he's sub four, yeah. I can be sub five. 
Yeah. And that, and what you talk about one person's actions on that day with a team of 20, 30, 40 people supporting, yeah. okay, and enabling to get there, will inspire three, four, five hundred thousand people Amazing. to have their first crack at their first marathon. Amazing. That's and a real influencer. Yeah. And, and, and that, <laughs> yeah. That's the power of it, right? That's why we've got some Instagram followers. Yeah, well, that's why we do it, right? And no, no one even looks at it that way, or perhaps they don't. Maybe because I'm too much of a contrarian to think about it. But, the, but that is, that's the real magic of why, why do we do that? Why do we go and break the, the limits? Because that, that first action inspires maybe a two, three hundred elite athletes to have another crack. Yeah. It inspires half a million people to try and do their first marathon. What's the feeling been like in the Nike Run Clubs? I know it's only it's, it's a short time since they try they did the breaking too, but what's the has the energy? It must just be awesome, mate, to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, the first thing everyone goes is, why don't I get an invite? Right, <laughs> <laughs> the first question is, why don't we? Why couldn't we go to Italy? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so um, the guys, are, the guys train here, so why can't we kind of <laughs> come and train with them? And uh, it's it's amazing um, that 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 we people are that passionate about it. They have they have ownership for it, um, yeah. particularly a lot of the our, our African runners who are working here in the hotels and the security. Yeah. they've got some toe. Yeah, some of our Ugandan guys and some of our Kenyan guys. Like yeah. when they turn up. I kind of have to make sure I've got an injury that day, otherwise I'm going to be in real trouble. Um, so a lot of the guys are inspired by it. I think we're into a cycle now where we're starting to come towards our off-season. Right. So a lot of the guys are saying, okay, how do I, do I start earlier? Do I, do I train longer? Do I train harder? How do really? I become a better runner? How do I work harder? Because um, I'm going to be in Europe at the end of the summer and I'm going to be taking part in the Royal Parks half marathon in the UK or I'm, right. I'm, going, to be, I'm going to be doing two oceans in in africa yeah and actually i'm not i'm i don't want to run faster but i want to run longer yeah yeah. so you everyone everyone's challenge is different right they have to own their own kind of destiny but absolutely i mean the 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 general the general temperature rises by a degree or two yeah and not because of the dubai summer but because everyone gets just that little bit more fired up yeah that little bit more excited about how they can take that and do their own journey and how they can be involved in their own pathway mate flip to the other side of the coin when you're not wearing the nike hat you're doing something equally as inspirational on the other side you have a massive role in an organization called edaid which i want you to talk about <laughs> because if i introduce it as what i think it is i might get it wrong and that would be no 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 not at all listen we are I, i'm incredibly privileged to be able to to build um, a fantastic business or social enterprise yeah. that enables students to find alternative ways to fund university. Yeah. So essentially, the, the easiest way to think about what we do is a kind of is the the love child of Kickstarter and LinkedIn. Okay. So we help students fund the cost of going to university from the community with interest-free loans, wow. um, and then we connect them with employers who are looking to hire really bright, ambitious talent as they look to kind of get intern roles and then graduate yeah. roles. Um, we're super small in the grand scheme of funding and hiring, but, um, you know, great things start with a small step, yeah. right? And so we've, we've, been, we've been lucky to, to get involved. We're in the UK first, expanding out to the US um, later this year and then, and then rolling out around the rest of the world. But as a digital platform, we're able to give students choice. Students pay about between 6 and 15% interest charges on traditional student loans. Wow. So, so just to get educated, they'll pay... In the UK, about £60,000 um, is the, the level of their debt. They borrow to it a three-year undergrad, and wow. they'll pay back somewhere between £100,000 and £150,000 once all the interest charges have compounded wow. up. <laughs> it's a similar story here in the Middle East. And likewise, if you've not got a scholarship or you've not got government funding. Yeah. And so a lot of people will tap up the traditional banks. They'll tap up 
the bank of mum and dad, yeah. which can only go so far these days as we're all stretched further and further. Yeah. And so what we enable is that a broad number of people, a bit like Kickstarter, people drop in 10, 15, 20, 50 pounds into a student's pot. We manage all of the regulatory side of things and all the technology side. And then we help give students an alternative way to university, which wow. saves the average student between 30 to 50,000 pounds interest charges, depending on wow. how, what they earn afterwards. And all of our repayments are income based. So that right. it's, your repayments are always going to be fair throughout your whole career. So you only pay back 10% of your net salary. Okay. Wow. okay, so if you were earning you know, 5,000 dirhams a month, you'd only pay back 500 dirhams of your loan. Right. And then we would take that money and push it back to all your supporters till they were all repaid. Right. And at the same time, we're helping you make sure you've got a job when you graduate. And then two, three years later, when you're looking to move, we help you do that. And that's how we make money. So the employers pay a bit of a fee to yeah. connect that. Um, and so we can, uh, because we don't borrow money from the banks and then relend it on, we don't have to charge high interest charges, right. which is your traditional right. lending model. So all the funding. So if I wanted to support you to go back to university, I could just hop over is to that a hint? Aid. Uh, no, mate, <laughs> you're, you're quite well rounded, mate. Don't worry. But um, yeah, so I could just hop on and yep. I could give you, a, if it's your birthday, I could give you a contribution of £100 yep. and that would then go into your fees. Yeah, exactly. That goes wow. into your loan pot. And then as you get repaid it and when you get the money back, you can then choose to pay it back to so another I student. So I give you your birthday present and I get it back. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, actually, what, what most people who have started repaying back have actually said, um, we'll let it ride for another student. So it goes then into the Aid Foundation, which is a registered charity in the UK. Wow. Um, and, and then that kind of pays it forward again, because typically it's small amounts that people are backing yeah, with. Yeah. Um, but, um, but more importantly, then what we've started to do is say, okay, well, how do you, how do you reinvent banking for, for, for the, kind of the next generation of students that are coming through? And so you take the same platform that we've got and we start to say, okay, well, what else do students need to help them with their financial journey? Well, they need a card that doesn't charge them loads of fees. Right. They need a bank account that isn't expensive and they don't get stung with massive overdraft fees. And so there's all sorts of other ways you can, you can chip away at the, fin- the traditional financial services model which is about high fees, high cost, high interest, but they suck you in with incentives like a free this, a free that, a, a kind of pseudo cashback offer yeah. that ends up being a bit of a false promise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we believe in like this kind of radi- radical candor concept, yeah. the idea of complete, you know, that if it costs you, we'll tell you up front what it's going to cost you. Very if it cool. doesn't cost you, we'll, we'll do that. Um, we've got about 5,000 students using the platform now. Wow. We should be, we should be having half a million use it, given the fact there's... 2 million students in the UK and 22 million in the US. Right. So we've got some big targets for what we want to do. Yeah. And But like it, building any business, and I think when you're in the kind of financial technology and the startup space, and I guess we've got the kind of social impact space as well, yeah. is that it, it starts with just helping one person and then everyone in the business sits on customer support. Yeah. So even our developers, our techies, our accountants, our marketing guys, everyone works on the customer support phone lines and chat. Wow. And what you get is that you get this complete... Um, once again it comes back down to kind of this complete transparency ground up business model which says that actually everyone in the business sees the problems our consumers are having and works every day to solve them so it doesn't matter if you're a developer you're building a technology because you're seeing hearing and responding to the kind of problems that our our students have and on the flip side we've also got companies that say we want to get access to really incredible talent yeah yeah. And our traditional models just aren't working. We tend to hire in our own shadow. Yeah. So KPMG traditionally has hired the same kind of people year on year on year, right. despite trying to work hard at the diversity. Yeah. 
whereas really the data doesn't lie. So now yeah. I know where you come from, what you studied, what your religious, social, economic background is. Yeah. And I can now put you in front of the right employers. Wow. And you use data. So we've got this data graph that does that, you know, using the algorithms we built um, far more efficiently than a human can. Mate, from running inspiration to wow. education inspiration, you're doing, you're doing really some amazing things. I like what you said as well, mate. You started Nike Run Club, running with one person, Ed Aid. The, the techie guys, customer service, it's really about sort of the authenticity of what's going on. And, mate, I, I appreciate you and I salute you for what you've done, mate. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And people should get down to Nike Run Club and yeah, people absolutely. should support each other on Ed Aid. And yeah, there you go. Super happy. There you go. But, mate, thank you so much for taking time. No, it's a real pleasure to come down and see you guys um, and uh, say, uh, yeah, huge honor to be here and catch up. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks a lot for tuning into this episode of the podcast, folks. And I do hope you've enjoyed it. Massive thanks to Tom for his time and inspiration, as always. If you want to get in contact with us, drop us an email, winning at innerfight.com. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Until next time, take care. <laughs>